Welcome to Informed Aging, a podcast about health, help, and hard decisions for older adults. I'm Robin Roundtree. I spent six years as a family caregiver and now work in the senior care industry with Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center. With me is my co-host, Edith Gendron. She's the Chief of Operations for Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, a positive approach to care, certified trainer and consultant, and a former family caregiver with well over 20 years of experience in the industry. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to us, not our wonderful employers and sponsors. If you want to get mad, get mad at us and not at them. Before making any significant changes in you or your person's life, please consult your own experts. This is the first podcast of 2023. Happy New Year to you. And so we are going to be talking about resolutions for caregivers. Now, it doesn't have to be January to make resolutions. So this is always going to be timely advice. We're going to be right back with that information right after this. Senior Helpers is the only home care agency offering a revolutionary new way to approach senior care the Life Profile Assessment. This data-based app is a crucial tool in helping seniors age safely and successfully at home. Combined with our proven in-home care programs and trained caregivers, Senior Helpers Life Profile is leading the way to better outcomes for our clients. For more information, log on to SeniorHelpers.com. We're back with Stephanie Mullally. Now she has her bachelor's degree in social work. She's got her master's degree in social work. She's currently a registered clinical social worker intern, as well as a certified trainer with the Department of Elder Affairs for Alzheimer's disease and other related disorders for adult daycare programs and skilled nursing facilities. Whew. Okay, now she also works with us a bit at Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, and Edith and I think she's fabulous. Fabulous, absolutely wonderful, a great resource to our team and to the people that we serve. Yeah, you're amazing. Thank you so much, ladies. I feel the same about the both of you as well. Oh. I'm very honored to be here. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. So, Stephanie, you work with caregivers, and we're not just talking about dementia caregivers, we're talking about any person not trained in in being a caregiver, like a nurse or CNA, who's taking care of a loved one or friend, someone. And we all know it's a tough job, but you don't really know how tough it's going to be until you're in the middle of it. So you counsel a lot of people who are going through it. Yes, we do um, see a lot of caregivers, provide resources, um, and just provide that support um, that they're needing, you know, because so many times they feel they are all alone in this journey, whatever it consists of. So just providing that reassurance that they aren't alone and connecting to, to that resource or resources to really build their support team. Right. And caregiving is not something that should be taken on as a solo project. No. Never. No. Never. Never. <laughs> Never. Did you hear that, everybody? Never. You have to have a team. So we're going to work through all of this advice with the resolutions that you've come up for caregivers. Give us a number one. So the first thing that I feel is important is being proactive as a caregiver versus having to be reactive and it be an emergency situation. Just putting plans in place to really see what the future plans look like, adjusting what the plans were in place, um, and that can really be beneficial. So 
you're not feeling extremely overwhelmed because caregiving is a journey. It can be overwhelming. So anything to minimize that as much as possible would be beneficial. And I also think being proactive means learning about the disease, which it is hard to do when you're in the caregiving moment, but you are going to have to find like 30 minutes every night to, I don't know if it's a book. I don't love Dr. Google, but, you know, go to something like the Mayo Clinic and research the disease that your loved one has. Absolutely. And look for any free um, certified training, you know, either, of course, through us or through the Alzheimer's Association. That's one of the other many things Stephanie does. One another way of being proactive, at least from my perspective, is to make sure, and Stephanie tells you this, make sure you have a plan for if you are taken out of the picture for any reason. Yeah. Right? Um, We always say you get hit by a bus or something happens, you get COVID, or you get the flu, or you suddenly have to have an operation, who's going to do what you're doing? And have that lined up before you need them. Yes. That's such a good point, Edith, because we see so many times where something has happened to the caregiver, and that's been their eye-opening experience. Like, oh my goodness, who's going to be in my place if something happens to me? Um, So it's definitely very important to set things in motion to have the plan include the caregiver themselves as well. And unfortunately, we see the caregiver, because of the stress of caregiving, does develop some physical issues that they didn't have before that would require some time off or even hospitalization. So another reason to be proactive. Excellent resolution right there. Thank you. Number two. So number two, which is just as important as number one, is creating your support system. Um, Like we stated, caregiving is not a journey to do alone. It's so important to build your team, your network from family, friends, resources in the community, the medical team, you know, really just getting that support system so you can bounce ideas off of, you know, one another. Um, If emergency arises, you know who you can reach out in that phone tree um, to really put things in motion. Um, And your your clinical team is important too, keeping them up to date with things. Um, But you're definitely not alone in this journey. And it can even be a support group. You know, there's so many great support groups out there with the ADRC, Alzheimer's Association. Um, So, you know, you're definitely not alone in this journey. We are here to support you as well as others that are going through a similar experience. Yes. And so let's talk about the members of the support group. You've got your doctors. I always like to say that receptionist at the doctor's office, you need to be very nice to that person. Absolutely. Yeah, they're the gatekeeper. They are the gatekeeper. Um, Also, let's see, the person who does mom's hair or dad's hair, your hairdressers, the, the police department, making them aware if you have a dementia diagnosis, they could wonder what services do you offer to help prevent that. You really need to be open about it and have no shame about the fact that you're a caregiver and you need help. Postal person is another one to keep in mind, and you are so right. So often we still hear, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody to know. It's critical that everybody that knows you knows what's going on because maybe mom does decide on a day like today that's beautiful and sunny and extremely chilly for us 
to go for that walk that she didn't tell anybody about. But if everybody in the neighborhood knows, they can keep a little eye out, right? We won't have her lost like we have some other tragedies. So please, please make sure people know the situation. You would tell them if you had heart disease or if you had diabetes or any other issue, and this is is, um, in need of profound help as those others. And you would be surprised when you open up to people that you don't know, they may have some very good advice. I remember exactly. going to get, finally getting a manicure, pedicure. Um, it was a treat to myself as a caregiver. And wouldn't you know, the woman doing it used to work in a memory care facility and had some important tips that I needed to know. So it was because I was not ashamed and opening up about what I went through that I got some advice that I needed. Absolutely. And another one to remember to include and let them know is the bank. The credit card company, that's important as well. We've got three more resolutions. We're going to dive into that right after this message. For over 37 years, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center has served as a central Florida-based grassroots nonprofit and community resource center dedicated to providing support and hope for families and individuals caring for someone they love who is living with Alzheimer's disease or other dementia-related illness. The ADRC empowers caregivers with the knowledge, support, skill, and strategies through a variety of programs to help them confidentially prepare for the challenges that lie ahead. To learn more, visit their website at adrccares.org. That's adrccares.org. We are back. We're talking to Stephanie Mullally. She's a registered clinical social worker intern and really, really smart. So that's why she's on the podcast. We're doing resolutions for caregiver. We've done one and two. What is number three? So number three is making sure to have advanced directives for yourselves, for your loved ones. As long as they're 18 and older, you know, it's so important to have those documents in place. So that way your wishes, your loved one's wishes are known. Um, Because if things happen like dementia or any other disease and our loved one is not able to make decisions any longer, those documents are going to be such an important factor to knowing what our loved one wants and, you know, honoring their wishes as best as we can, but also not having to guess or having to worry about legalities because it is a legal signed document. So if somebody doesn't know what advanced directives are, what's a good explanation? I would say get thee to a certified elder law attorney, and I do mean certified. A good explanation is those documents that will prevent people from doing things to and for you that you don't want done. And they are um, sometimes dependent state by state, so hence the certified elder law attorney. You want to, for example, here in Florida, in the world we work in, the world of dementia, you want to be certain that you have a durable power of attorney that removes the responsibility of having to go back to court or go on for further things with a power of attorney if your person loses the ability to give informed consent. It's things like that. Living wills, certainly your last will and testament. And really, what do you want to have done? Um, and when we went to an elder law attorney and had ours drawn up, I learned things and I, that I was surprised that I didn't know after You know, you're very kind to say 20 years, but I'm pushing 35, 40-ish years uh, in this business in some capacity. So to learn from that. But um, other attorneys that are well-versed, I'm not saying don't go to them, but if you don't have an attorney, certainly seek out a certified elder law attorney for the state or country in which you live. 
All right. But Stephanie, let's say money is tight. You can't afford the attorney. Are there resources to get these advanced directives done? There are resources through the Department of Elder Affairs with the state of Florida. They do have an elder helpline. Um, then there's community legal services as well um, to where it may be more the based on income of the household, there, you know, the cost would be. Um, so there are definitely things that can assist. Um, definitely to hitting off of what Edith was saying, definitely make sure after, you know, a few years to always check in with an elder law attorney, getting your documents reassessed, making sure they're still where they need to be, that the laws haven't changed. Um, so that way you always know that those documents are legitimate and are in play. Wonderful. Let's go on to number four of our resolutions for caregivers. So number four is my favorite, especially being a social worker. I preach it all day, every day, and that is self-care. Mm. Making sure that as a caregiver, you take time for yourself, whether it's 10 minutes a day to go for a walk, to deep breathe, to meditate, um, or to go for a massage, but taking that time to have, you know, just a quiet time to rejuvenate, to reevaluate and get ready for your day. Because um, we do know caregiver burnout is real. It The journey is overwhelming. So taking that time for yourself, as well as making sure you're attending your doctor's appointments and medical appointments as well, because your health and well-being is just as important as our loved one with the diagnosis. And if you're thinking right now, oh, sure, Stephanie, and where am I going to find the time to do that? That is a real red flag. You need to pay attention to that thought, and you need mm -hmm. to get help. There is help out there. Um, there's a lot of help out there that's cost-free. And don't discount hospice. People get nervous when they hear hospice. Mm, yes. um, let them make the decision if your person's ready to enroll, but that's a, a whole team of help. Yes. Um, but, yeah. Absolutely take time for yourself. And what we teach our caregivers, and I know Stephanie does too, is to make a list of what you could do in certain time frames, right? If you've only got 15 minutes, you have a list of things you could do in 15 minutes. Also, to segue off of that, make a list of things people could do to help you. Yes. Right? Yes. Right? Because a lot of what care partners do can be done by other people. You don't need to do your laundry. You don't need to change the oil in your car. You don't need to mow your lawn or shovel your snow or all those kinds of things. There will be things only you can do, of course. But self-care, as Stephanie so perfectly said, is, is absolutely important as the care you provide to your person. Yes, 100%. Yes. Good resolution. Yeah. All right, we're ready for number five. And last but not least, to segue into um, the end from the self-care is don't feel ashamed or embarrassed to ask for help. It is okay to ask for help. There are agencies out there. There are family members, friends, your church. You know, there are so many great connections that you don't realize you've already made that are there to help and support you. Um, like I've been saying, you are not in this alone. Um, and that's also another form of self-care support groups, um, attending individually, individual counseling yourself, mm -hmm. you know, those are all forms of self-care, but also of getting, you know, help and, and meeting your needs physically, mentally, and emotionally as well. And I think if you aren't a caregiver right now and you've made it this far, you need to realize those people in your lives who are giving care need help. Yes, 
Yes. Yeah. It's the holiday season, right? So what, you know, what can I get my, um, my dad who's caring for my mom? You can give him time, time away or mom time away. Yeah. It's, it's just critical that people step up and do that. People are, most people, many people, let's be careful, right? Many people do seem to want to help. They just don't know what to do or how to do it. So those are the ones that you take up their offer when they say, gee, you know, let me know if you need anything. Well, how do you feel about bringing a casserole once a week or whatever you need? People, if they know what to do, they will do it for you. Right. And if they don't, you know, if they've got their boundaries and you've overstepped, they should say that. But, you know, I always say, if you've said, how can I help? Well, my list should be ready. Right. You're going to pull you out know. your handy dandy list exactly. and you're going to say, what did you have in mind? What are you doing <laughs> Sunday at two o'clock? Exactly. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes, exactly. And when, when we talk about taking that break in self-care, we mean a complete break away from the responsibilities of being that care partner, Right. And so, you know, it might even be a weekend. And wouldn't it be wonderful mm. if you could give the care partner enough time to actually get away for an entire weekend or, gee, maybe a week? And wow. That, <laughs> and that's a good point, too, with respite. You know, if there's family, friends that can assist with, you know, looking over your loved one for a few hours, for a couple days. But then there's also adult day programs. Um, Hospice and other providers can offer the respite services where your loved one can go into unassisted living or memory care for a few days while you're away on vacation. So there definitely are a multitude of options um, that can be there to provide that respite for you. And we don't need a, a tropical vacation in another country here in Florida, if you can get two, two hours to the coast and look at the ocean for a few hours, you're going to feel a lot better. Whatever it is that you need, but it's that stepping away that is so important. But you make an absolutely excellent point. Based in science, we know that taking that break in nature, whatever that means to you, is extremely beneficial and does more for us than just, say, locking ourselves in the bathroom to read for 15 minutes. Right, right, right. 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 Mother Nature can be very nurturing. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for those resolutions. I hope some of the caregivers listening will put some into place and come back and listen a few more times until you get all five down. <laughs> yes. Easier said than done. We know that. But yeah. yes, it's all really important stuff. Thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast, Informed Aging. Tell your family and friends about us. You can find us on Instagram, informed underscore aging, and facebook.com slash informed aging. If you need to reach out to us, you have a topic you want us to talk about, email informedagingpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was recorded at Digital Broadcasting's podcast studio. That's all for now. We're looking forward to our next visit.